Welcome to Game Woven, a collaborative storytelling collective building a world one game at a time. This week, we will be playing The Queen of Lights Last Stand by Baker Parker Haas. If you like what we're doing here, you can follow us on Twitter at GameWoven, where you can join our Discord, and you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash GameWoven. go around the table and introduce ourselves really quick and the characters that we'll be playing in the Queen of Lights Last Stand. Zad? Hello! My name is Zadkiel Vasky Huff, or just Zad. You can find me on Twitter at Zadkiel in green, Z-A-D-K-I-E-L in green. Tonight I will be playing Henbit Lamium, the Lightbreaker. They are the bard class and use both he and she pronouns. Bree? Hey there, it's Brianna Jean. I do all kinds of things, probably too many. You can find me on Twitter at Brianna Jeans. Tonight I'm going to be playing the Queen Irene Erasmus, the Copper Seeker. Uses she, her pronouns. Hey everybody, I'm TT Benjamin. You can find me on Twitter at TT Benjamin1. My pronouns are he, him, and I will be playing Leon Kuprik, the Thundervane who is the knight, and his pronouns are also he, him. But before we begin, let me announce one more person. That's right. Today we have a very, very special guest. Our first time with a guest facilitator. Let me please welcome to all of you, Nikki, beholder to no one. Nikki, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell, tell the people who you are. Cheering crowds going wild. Um, <laughs> well, I am glad to be uh, the first, I guess. That, that's really cool. I'm excited. Um, so I'm Nikki, aka Beholder to No One. I podcast that recently has closed its door so that you can still go listen to 260 plus episodes of content on it if you want. We release some new content, aka some cyberpunk stuff in the near future so keep an eye on twitter for that i use she her pronouns as well and i will be the facilitator of this game which is a very combative and conversational role-playing game it's very interesting mechanics that i had to tweak a little bit to make sure it made sense but that's okay it'll be a fun game either and as a gm i will be playing the gloom which is the thing trying to take over Shalmir. Trying to take over Shalmir. Shalmir. <laughs> Chalmir. It's, oh, it's going to be said so many different ways. We're going to say it about eight different ways, and they're yep. all correct. Yep. Shmir. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the people at the bar say it when they're drunk. Let's go the Shmir. So at the start of the book, there is a poem. Much is taken, much abides, 
And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are, on equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. <laughs> ooh, ooh, we love this. Yeah. And the Queen of Light's Last Stand is a combative and conversational role-playing game about a queen, a knight, a bard, and the gloom that stalks them all. Beautiful. Love this. It's, it's a lot of fun. This is my second time playing it, and I'm excited. Okay. So, Shalmir is a beautiful city that rests on the coastline. The waters are a deep blue in certain areas, but sometimes green, depending on what lies underneath. Or, depending on the rumors, maybe magic is involved a little bit. Uh, magic algae said if you go deep enough, you can get the cure for almost anything. The castle itself sits right along the coastline, and moss and algae has grown up over half of the stonework. And the people will seem happy. But lately... There's been some odd things happening in the area. There's this sense of darkness and foreboding. More and more people have interrupted your the queen's daily or weekly, however many times you want to do it, meetings with the commoners to try to warn you of this thing that's coming. And says, you're running out of time. You need to... You need to move fast. But they don't know what it is, and they don't know what to tell you you're running from or how to protect you from it. Not super helpful, but it is appreciated. As you sit in your chambers, you are finally left alone with your thoughts after the day and the fourth warning of this unknown threat. And you see letters stacked upon letters that you should have probably opened sooner, possibly. But you know what's inside of them. They're, they're all for potential deals with other kingdoms. I've been busy with other things. I'll get to them eventually. You are free to invite your knight and bard. I imagine the knight is her personal guard and I had called the bard in because I'm going to need some sort of entertainment to get me through all of this business nonsense. I kind of had it in my head that Leon is Irene's oh, what was I going to call it in my head? Oh, I had a, I had a really cool word for it. What's the general area? So the concept is, okay, so here's the idea. I had a fun word for it. I'm sure I'll remember the word when I get there. But what Leon is, is he is a very specific type of guard. He's an educated man and a warrior. He's old. Leon is an old man. And his type of guard is assigned to a princess at birth. And he not only helps protect her and, like, never leaves her side, like, his chamber is right next to hers. He also helps educate her and uh, sort of walks her through, like, daily life things. So he's sort of, like, I don't want to say, like, a nanny or, like, a mentor or something. He... How does custodian feel? Yeah. Guardian. 
Yeah, but I was thinking of something cool like like a uh, 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 blade mentor or like not sword nanny. That's not cool. That's not. I mean, I guess <laughs> kind of, that could be a cool name if you're into that. But you know what I'm saying? Like he's he's like the trusted guard, but he's also like very much like an educator. I guess if if he was a woman, he would be called a governess. I think whatever the title is, Irene just calls you grandfather. Aww. Just like a very affectionate thing. We're probably not actually related, but... What about Blade Warden? Blade Warden! Ooh! Oh, hell yeah. Ooh, I'm Blade Warden. Yes. That's, that's me. That's me. I'm gonna be a Blade Warden. That's good. I love that. I feel like for right now, I'm just gonna sit on... Henbit is here. Henbit obviously serves presently at the, the leisure of the queen, appeared in court, or in the capital city, rather suddenly some years ago, has a broad and yet spotty knowledge, or had a broad yet spotty knowledge of the local area. Knew things that only somebody who had lived there their entire life would know, but there were other things, sorts of pleasantries, or kind of little folkways, that are specific to Xiaomir just completely missed him and took a while to acclimatize. But lovely singing voice and like kind of a skilled hand for verse puts together just like, I, I think when she comes in, she pulls a bouquet of flowers out of a bag, not even just flowers, but like a number of local plants, some things from the sea bound in what looks like uh, a cord that has moss growing on it and as is his custom goes over to a vase that has been sitting on a table for as long as he's been coming and doing this kind of work for the queen and takes the last grouping of plants out the last bouquet out of the vase puts the fresh one in and then sits at the table and I want to say, even before she starts playing any music, unties a similar mossy cord from around those plants and begins sorting them. And then as she starts to sing, she sings something that is using nonsense words to sing a melody that is familiar. You are catching snatches of, of folk songs that you've heard forever, but there's no words, or there are small snatches of things of nursery rhymes and things that you remember hearing from your childhood but other than that it's just kind of this this musical idea salad that's going on in the backward background almost absent-mindedly as as he uh, sorts through these plants kind of picture that like not long after you showed up you're trying to earn some money performing on the streets having a bit of a time because not fully understanding all of the cultural cues and the the queen just walked by and said how would you like to come work for me? <laughs> Wasn't even performing for money. Didn't have a hat out. Was just on a corner with a a lyre and and making this music. No bucket out to receive tips, just playing music on a corner. Hanging out. And then as Irene was walking by, she made a comment. Should be performing for Queen kings and queens would you be interested it looks at you for a long time and says 
I will put down roots where I'm planted. Collects up her lyre and follows, I suppose. I think we snap back into the current scene uh, out of the flashback as Leon sort of barely respectfully acknowledges the queen who he's, he's standing next to and simply says, Your Grace, you do have much work to do. Shouldn't we ask for a harpist if you need music to work to instead of this distraction? You know, I could handle a bit of distraction with my work. So this shouldn't take too long to get through. I believe you and I both know that that is not always entirely accurate, madam. Yes, but having plus a distraction keeps me from responding rather rudely when people annoy me. Because some of these requests just make wild assumptions. Leon almost reacts as if he feels like that was directed at him. You know it's not. I kind of picture Irene as a young queen, so people kind of make assumptions. She's like, uh, no, now I'm good. I can take care of my shit. Please stop propositioning me. Well, is there any, uh, is there anything you'd like me to go through? I don't know. Is there? I, what's in the mail, Nikki? <laughs> what's in the mail? <laughs> <laughs> Are we getting Blue's Clues involved? Is there anything plot relevant in the mail? Probably. The stack of letters that you have, there's about a dozen. And skimming through some of them, some are from poor, small villages that request money or request food and resources. At least two are threats, though based off the names, they're just nobles that you pissed off a little bit at a party recently because you didn't honor them the right way. And they're like back in my day kind of commentary. One of them says, Your father would have known how to properly honor me. Very pissy that. To be fair, she does try. Oh no, you probably didn't do anything wrong. It's just they wanted something different. And you know you did it by the book too, so. Yeah, those just um accidentally get burned. They just wanted more, even though that would mean that you were choosing sides and favorites and you can't do that, so. Huh. But what if they wanted to be the favorite? They did want to be the favorite. <sighs> they were trying to hook you up with their uh, youngest son when they barely have anything to their name to actually justify this marriage. They've got nope. gumption, if nothing else. <laughs> also, he's like 10. <laughs> he is underage, but he'll be 18, re like, in, like, they they said it very, through a cough, coughing fit, but it was two-something. You don't know if that was years or months or weeks, but do something. Yeah, if it seems, like, particularly threatening or they're in a position where it could be a problem, it goes to Leon. But otherwise, it's just, like, Oh no, it's in the candle. <laughs> <laughs> they are not actual threats. They're more like Karen threats. <laughs> I feel like Irene passes that one with the little boy over to Leon. Leon looks at it for one second and then just holds it over the same candle that she uses and lets it burn. <laughs> if it's a pr 
particularly like flavorful threat. If it's really, if she keeps some of the more entertaining ones to laugh at. Later. <laughs> we like pass them around. <laughs> There's one that's obviously somebody who is drunk who threatens to. You honestly don't understand what is being said because there is a threat in there. You can feel it, but like, it involves cattle in some way and also beer. And also, uh, he mentions that he was really hungry at some point <laughs> in there, so you think he was drunk while he was writing it? It takes genuine effort to drunk send somebody a letter. Right? He's very drunk and very mad. There's very little to do. She makes a note to check to make sure that they're doing okay, just like in general in life, did something bad happen recently and then it goes in the um, laugh at them pile. That guy needs a new steward. Just, like, somebody to read his mail and decide when to not send shit. Okay, we may want to check on this one. I don't know if he's okay. Also, I don't know if he understands how cows work. Passes the letter around. I just imagine in, like, a couple hours the courier comes back and he's like, Um, I found him asleep at the bar. He seems to be working off his third hangover for three nights in a row. Leon pipes up. Good sir, could you remind him that bulls don't have udders? Will do, and <laughs> takes off again. Some of the people I have to deal with. But finally, there is a letter of import. It is of regal stationery, much nicer than any of the others, and the paper actually is hand-pressed with flowers and pulp. So it has a tint of yellows and pinks from the petals of the flowers that were used. And you recognize them as flowers that are commonly found in Ernet. And the letter is written in calligraphy, beautifully handwritten. And it is from Queen Blythe, asking to seek an audience with you. Oh, this one's interesting. Shows it to Leon as well. He probably... I'm knowledgeable about these things. He knows more. We haven't heard from Queen Blythe in a long time. That's peculiar. Has she ever actually written me before? Was it just my parents? Just your parents, honestly, in my recollection. Never you directly. One letter was sent to you prior at your parents' deathbed. Mm. To congratulate, apologize for your loss and to congratulate you for Ascension. Henbit, you've traveled some. What do you make of this? And passes it over. How does it smell? It smells like flowers, like a perfumed... Somebody sprayed a little bit of perfume on it, or the natural floral is coming through. And that's like the natural floral of the paper. It smells a little bit stronger than what it should, so there is something extra. Is there a check that I can make to see if there's a smell between the perfume and the actual paper itself. Go ahead and roll a d20 and a d10. Your DC is 15. That is a 7. So this technically is not part of the normal rules of the game. I just throw this in here because why the heck not? So as you smell it, you smell the earthy tones of the florals uh, of elderflower 
being part of the perfume that is overwhelming, but it's trying to cover up a different smell that is just a hint bitter, a hint little very familiar with it, but it is the mm-hmm. natural s- smell of the city. Smells of compost. Okay. Yeah, it's, it can't be hidden with as it's basically a video gamer at a con spraying themselves with body acts trying to hide that bo it's, it's just not enough not enough mm-hmm. elderflower perfume is gonna cover up that compost no okay i think then Enbit looks at the letter after smelling it passes it back and says she's not on campaign and she is looking to impress you for what reason though she's not trying to get the river bed again is she Remind me what the actual letter itself says. Have you even read the letter yet? I would have read it before we passed it, but... Yeah, the only part that was actually mentioned was that she seeks an audience, but we can elaborate upon that. The letter will specifically say to Her Majesty Irene, I call upon you to ask for you to visit my lovely abode in Ernette. I believe that we can be of assistance to each other if we discuss the possibility of an alliance, perhaps. I wish you the best, and there will be guards waiting for you at the gate to ensure your protection. Henbit takes a uh, takes a deep sniff of the, the page, reads the words that are written on it, and passes the letter back and says... Uh, She's returned from campaign, and she's looking to impress you. Question is, what re- for what reason she is attempting to reach out to me? I agree, it's quite sudden. Is seeking an alliance soon after you said she got back from campaign. It must not have gone well for her. Didn't say we can help each other. It did. Do you think she knows? Seems possible, though I don't know how she would know when we barely know what's going on. If there's anything, but given this, I'm starting to wonder maybe there is something. What could have happened to her to make her want to reach out? Her last adventure might not have gone particularly well. Or perhaps she is again attempting to press a claim in the River Valley. Or... And Henbit looks north, um, just kind of unerringly and casually, like, looks north and says, there are always pressing concerns. And you're doing that thing again, but you look mysteriously off to the north. What are you not telling us? There's something scary up there. Things that live are meant to die and are meant to grow among their own pace. Oh, please, Henbit, the prophesying. The valley is north. Shush, let him speak. Fine. The valley is north, and further north still, there are other valleys. And further north in other valleys, I've heard word from my father that where some of my kindred have decided to settle. There's a great and terrifying empire. Frankly, I'm 
surprised they're not a concern that we have within our daily lives now. They press ever outward, ever southward. Well, as you might imagine, that's because of excellent tactical placement. You see, Ernet is a buffer zone between us and any other outside countries. Any threats we would have to deal with would come from the sea. Hmm. As a reminder, did we decide this is after the dam happened? Yeah, the dam happened. So the, 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 the river's blocked. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's before the dam unhappened? The dam has not unhappened, though. Yeah. You think they were the ones that dammed up the river? No. It's difficult to speculate, but no, that's not... It is the sort of short-sighted disaster that they would engage in. However, quite frankly, there's not enough collateral damage. There haven't been further attendant catastrophes. And so, no, I, I don't believe that the stoppage of the river was their doing. But then again, who's to... Who can say? Who's to be sure? Well, even if they didn't do it, if they have Queen Blythe running for help, maybe some sort of alliance wouldn't be a bad idea. It's temporarily. Well, if Ernette falls, then if this empire seeks expansion, then we are next. As always, my queen, the decision is yours, but if you wish to meet with her, I am ever at your side. I think it's at least worth talking about, and if we need to arrange any gifts, if she tries to push for the riverbed again, we just won't tell her what happened. Between this and the humblings we've heard, we should at least think about it. Maybe see if we can learn more about what she thinks she can help us with. Would you like to draft a missive? I will. Give her a heads up that we're coming so we don't show up unannounced. They do get rather stabby up there. So a courier, and then we will depart? You can hear from Leon's tone of voice that he is trying to urge the queen to make a decision. This is a dance that he has to do very carefully, especially amongst people who are not in the direct relation of the queen. Yeah, it's like you're you're reminding her of the steps that she needs to take without actually reminding her what the steps she needs to take because she knows what the steps are. Yeah, I don't. Except she's already got a, pa- a piece of paper and a quill. She's just like. Writing it in her head before she writes it down. Have to, you know, phrase things nicely. Don't give away too much. She's learned quite a lot, both from her own experience and from her quote-unquote grandfather's teachings, so. Dear Splice, it is wonderful to hear from you. Leona's, like, looking over Irene's shoulder and is like, and is like, hmm, hear from you? Don't you think that's a bit informal, my queen? I, I feel like she's like talking it out without actually writing it out. Also, I forgot how did she? How did Blythe address her letter again? Oh, you're asking me to remember something I said 15 minutes, 20 minutes ago. I do uh, not remember uh, that. Okay, in that case, I won't narrate the whole thing, but she does reply in a very similar tone, saying that she is open to having a conversation, and it's to have a good relationship with one's neighbors. 
and that we will be setting out soon. We've been meaning to do some travel anyway, and we are sending the letter ahead to let her know we'll be on our way, so she's not surprised. Be seeing you in estimate the amount of time it takes to get there at a couple days. A fortnight, a fortnight, my queen. She writes fortnight. Thank you. She doesn't travel quite as much around the kingdom. As you're finishing up the letter, Henbit's gone back to singing and arranging flowers, but has actually gone into her bag and pulled out a few things. And as you're finishing it up, she just, like, stands and walks over and sets down a speedwell blossom for travel, loyalty, kindness, and protection elderberry juice for compassion and then includes a couple of like dandelion leaves along with the blossom as he sets that near the signature at the bottom and presses it in steps away and gestures for you to fold the flower uh fold the letter and have it sent and seal it out of a eyebrow quirk but does it question very carefully folds it so things stay mostly in place and get the curator to send it and start getting preparations for a trip. As soon as the courier got back from the last place, he's like out of breath. <sighs> yes, okay. I have it on that one. And grabs it and like starts. Just sit down, catch your breath, and you can go. It's okay. I'll be fine. And then he takes off. It throws their pace off if they stop, you see. True, that that one cover here. It's like he never stops. He's too. F he, how is he so fast? You'll see him when uh, he's at an intersection and a carriage is passing. He has to run in place and he puts his fingers on his neck like this to check his heart rate. What a weird world we live in. Tomorrow, then, my queen? Tomorrow. Take some time to get all of our stuff together, make sure things will get taken care of so we're not leaving everything unattended. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, ambassadors put in place to help with any type of temporary things and decisions that need to be made up to a, a certain level, obviously, if required to leave. Though, no major decisions. And the guards are all on very well paid and on your side, so they will make sure and I will make sure that the guards make sure of that. Yes, they're all a little terrified of Leon. <laughs> and for some reason, there's a lot of really strange rumors going around about Leon, about the accomplishments that he has done. And they get, the monsters get bigger and bigger, or the amount of creatures get bigger and bigger every time the story is told by some drunk soldier or guard. Pretty sure Leon started that. And who's to say if he really does have thunder powers? Say <laughs> so he's got thunder in his veins. I hear thunder actually actually courses through his veins. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I don't know what that means, but it sounds terrifying. I hear they named thunder after him. He, it was him first, and that's what they called it. <laughs> the scream was so terrifying. I read in disguise. It's true, I've heard he's impossibly old. Oh no, oh no, the queen is helping the rumors? Oh, how dare you? <laughs> You're welcome. 
Is, is that a roll, though? Like, I think that might be a roll. <laughs> is it Ooh. a roll? What kind of roll is it? So technically, technically it would be a poems roll. But I'm just gonna let you make a 1d20 plus a 1d10 roll because you don't have poems, and it's gonna be a DC of... We'll go with 15 again. Okay. It's a 26. Am I going for over or under? You are going for equal to or less than. So that is an unfavorable result, which... So you don't quite get what you want, but you all get to determine how this impacts the narrative together. Hmm. We have that scene of the queen in... Common person disguise? Yeah, whispering this this rumor out, and it literally just, like, pans to two tables over, and there's Henbit sitting there t- chatting with people. So we get that... They named him Thunderveins, and then they named Thunder after that. I hear he's unfathomably old. And then it just, like, pans two tables over. There's Henbit just talking to people and say, says... I hear him very gently correcting the queen frequently. <gasps> you whore! <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst rumor of them all. I heard that he destroyed a whole a whole pack of bargasts, and Henford says it was one bargast, and that was a previous life, a different person altogether. And goes back to, I don't know, like arranging herbs or something like that. I'll throw a little something on there. So the people in town are not terribly impressed because Henbit keeps running defense on the rumor train. But some of them have breached containment. And so there are those out of town. I guess what I'm setting up is I think there's probably some people outside of town that if they saw him would be very interested in his head. Just because of the implications of one of the rumors. It just so happened that a rumor lined up with the death of something important or, or, or maybe something evil or whatever, and it just happened to line up, and now people are like, oh, oh, that guy did it. And so there might be some folks outside of town that are kind of ready to on-site Leon. Mine is a little tangential. Irene might have been little tipsy. She's not used to drinking the stuff that they serve down there. And, like, just in the process of telling stories, she might have accidentally pissed someone off who was visiting from somewhere else. Got When they got pissy, she got pissy back. It might have let slip who she was. Oh. So, now there's an important person from somewhere far away who is not overly fond of her, but hasn't had a chance to do anything about it, because when Leon found out what she did, he made sure to double up the guard outside of her room and underneath her window (laughs) after that, so she couldn't sneak out again. (laughs) So you rest for the night as those rumors spread further, and... In the morning, all your bags are packed. You get up before sunrise, which is way too early for some of you. Probably not for Leon, but the queen is probably like, oh god, it's still dark out. Irene's just like, okay, this sounded like such a great idea yesterday. Remind me to never set our departure time 
But before the sun's up, again, she says to probably no one. <laughs> she hasn't opened her eyes to see if there's anyone else in the room. I would hope not, but... <laughs> You're in your bedchamber still getting ready when you said that, or...? I picture it's just like, I get woken up just like, uh for five minutes and then just get up and grumble. Actually, that's what I do whenever, I, whenever I've had to get up that early. It's just, this is stupid. Then get up. Yeah. I feel like Leon's probably bustling around getting, getting preparations made and kind of amid that flurry of activity. Or I guess, what is, what is Leon doing as we're getting up for this, Ben? Okay, so technically he wakes up an hour before the queen wakes up. Practically he wakes up an hour and a half before the queen wakes up because the queen likes to hit the medieval snooze Fantasy button. Snooze you button. know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fantasy so you are up button. an hour before sunrise. Yep, because he needs to put all of his like things together and be like strapped and ready to go before she wakes up because he spends the entire... He does not leave her side ever. And uh, usually while he's waiting for her to wake up, he stands outside of her door. He relieves whoever the, the, the night guardsman is, and he stands outside the door, looking stern and a little bored. So then as you guys, like, you, you finish your final preparations and then head off, are we traveling on foot? Are we m traveling mounted? Do we have cool mounts in this part of the world? We'll see why not. Yeah, why wouldn't we have cool mounts in this part of the world? Well, let's see here. We're coastal. Mm -hmm. Could they be enormous capybiras? We've got a rainforest just like Next Kingdom over. Yeah, they sure can. Absolutely yes. can be enormous capybaras. Okay, excellent. Leon has a war capybara. Mm -hmm. It's a little leaner and uh, it wears barding. And usually what they do is they shave the fur patterns in really cool ways, like designs that are very intimidating. It's still incredibly chill, though. Until ordered to be not chill. Henbit has a particularly shaggy capybara that, that she's riding. But as you guys sort of make your final preparations uh, and actually physically get up and leave, you see that, yeah, Henbit is just standing out uh, in front of the three settled giant capybaras um, facing east as kind of the first rays of the sun come over the horizon. They have a... It's a wooden mug that is steaming slightly with, with some uh, morning tea watching the sunrise. Irene has coffee and her capybara is... She probably has, like, two that she alternates between. One that's a much lighter color, because it kind of, like, you know, more blends in with the sand. But for this trip, this one is closer to almost jet black. So she has coffee in one hand, she has snacks in the other, and she, like, feeds it snacks, gives it the chin scratches and the ear scratches. And then we mount up on our capybaras. Your very large capybaras are all adorable. They're special saddles that have been made just for these creatures. Um, and honestly, trying to Google how fast they were. 35 kilometers an hour. That's as fast as a horse. What? That's the land speed of a normal-sized capybara? Yep. 
Okay. So, these ones are faster than a horse because they're bigger. Uh, they're also bigger. I don't know. They've got more weight to carry. We'll say that they're they're horse adjacent. <laughs> I don't want to make people do math, but bigger things kind of have to move a little slower. But, like, damn, I, those guys can go. I was about to say, we can't have them be faster than the Zalo runners. That just can't be a thing. They're not that fast. I don't know what that means, but they're not that fast. It's a giant question mark to how fast the Zalo runners go. A <laughs> courier might have been originally from there, is my thought. So, I'm gonna do... Have somebody roll me a d10, please. Ooh, I got a one. Very excited. So both of you rolled the exact same time before I could find where I left my mouse to pull up my dice roller. Okay. So you are traveling. The sun begins to rise high enough overhead where it's probably about middle of the morning now. And you have been traveling, possibly chatting after some coffee has been drank. And up ahead, there is a little forested area that seems to be... Are we going north? Is that what we decided? We're going northeast? Northeast, yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah, northeastern. Are you going north beyond the part where the green line was on the map and then east to try to, like, not go through that? Or are you going... Oh, green line on the map is uh, denoting that, that that part of the peninsula belongs to uh, Shamir. Oh, okay. There's a peninsula divided by a river delta, and our lands actually have both sides of the river delta. We have the entirety of the, of the western part of the delta, and then, like, half of the eastern part of the peninsula, and the north of that half is Ernette. Okay. We're sticking in our kingdom as much as possible. So the river delta is not a thing. And the block in the river is further north. Way, Way further, north. further north. Way further north. Yeah. yeah. We have no idea what it is. Well, I mean, we do, but we don't. Gotcha. Yeah. So as you are continuing north for now, looking for the... There are locations where you can get onto bigger boats to cross the river a little easier stay dry is sometimes in the middle of that delta it does get a little deep and as you're heading to the north you see a forested area just a small patch no bigger than probably 200 feet across and I would like anybody who wishes to make a hearts roll you're going to roll against your hearts which all of them are at 20 currently Nobody has been hurt. Goals roll 20 or less. It's I like... did it, and I got a 17. Ah. Um, everybody can roll if they want. Oh, yes! 17. And a 12. So, Penbit, you are the first person to see this, but eventually, after you're looking for a few minutes, the others see it. Well, in the forest is a tall, hunched figure on four gaunt limbs. It seems to be shifting its way through the forest towards the south. It doesn't quite 
step out of the shade of the tree line as it watches you approach along the road. It is not directly near the road. It is about, it's a little further in. So it's keeping its distance, but it is obviously paying attention to you three as you. Is this like an isolated stand of trees or is it just like, this is the edge of, of a bigger wooded area? It was once part of a much bigger wooded area, but perhaps a fire had gone off at some point, but. No, it's just its own disconnected. It's like a discontiguous chunk of like stand of trees. Gonna give it a, a like a wave, like a, a sort of uh, greeting gesture. Okay. Roll me a poems, which your poems was increased because of. Yeah. No, your runes were runes increased. Your poems is a twenty. It's, and that roll is very unfortunately a twenty-one. So, here is where we get our first little step thing we can do to help, though. The Queen, you have a ability called Orders, which we've decided that you can choose to use after the fact. If you wish, you can spend one of your order points, lowering that 20 to that 25 to a 24. And that would make that 21 a 20, which would be a success. I will do that. And I picture this kind of um, in the form of Irene turning to Henbit saying, do you know what to do about this before you wave? Yeah, I suppose I don't, as a player, I don't have enough context. As I'm making a greeting, what would I know about this This creature that I'm um, that is watching us. The roll was your charm roll mm-hmm. towards the creature. Mm-hmm. So with it meeting the creature, its tension seems to lessen a little bit, mm-hmm. and it gives a very awkward wave back, it's disjointed a little bit, as if it's not accustomed to that motion. And then stares at its hand, confused, not sure really what it just did, but like, like doesn't understand completely what it meant, possibly. As you get closer, you hear that they're muttering something because they're so big. The deep voice is muttering and, and you can't quite understand what's being said. And you notice that they have pant legs, but they're kind of ripped, and they seem to be standing on what looks like stilts, almost. But their arms are naturally long. And still meet the ground. And while they were facing you, and knew where you all were, their eyes are completely covered by a wax-like substance. Oh my. Leon rotates his horse around to sort of the right side. Capybara horse. Leon rotates his capybara around to sort of the right side of the formation, like so that his shield arm is facing these things, and he is between the clutch of trees and Irene, and I guess by extension, Henbit, but mostly Irene, and he just kind of gives Henbit and Irene a very stern look, and then looks over at the creatures and, like, has a hand on the pommel of his blade. Irene has her bow ready and is also 
leading her capybara, just like veering away a little bit towards maybe more clear area space of the road, keeping an eye to make sure is there something weird in that strand of trees over there. Part of the game here is to charm. I'm supposed to read a bit of a poem and as Leon basically sets up that defensive perimeter and bit comes around even a little bit to the side and placating almost comes forward a little bit and this doesn't work as like literal thing that he says but a little bit the vibe of, of welcome here uh, is from The Pasture by Robert Frost I'm going out to clean the pasture spring. I'll only stop to rake the leaves away and wait to watch the water clear I may. I shan't be gone long. You come too. Reaches forward just to see the things that are like important here, the words that are thrown together, the melody of, of, how, of how she speaks has those elements of welcome and an invitation to to come along if the creature is amenable but also I'm here to clean if something needs to be cleaned you can't see the eyes but the head is facing you as you speak it tilts its head a little bit listening to your words and then it will nod gesturing with its hand Again, a little awkwardly. Seems like a little too big. And they gesture like, please go ahead. Like a, like a slight bow. Mm -hmm. As you get closer, it is still muttering. And you can make out eventually. It's saying, I just want to go home. But in a very deep voice. I go north, I'll go home. I just want to go home. And bit. And bit. Bit, what are you doing? Well, helping. The creature is distressed, uh, seeks home. Is this thing at all familiar to me? Let's make it a hearts roll. Okay. Hearts is 20. Roll is 10. You've heard rumors about creatures like this. They are and they are not alive at the same time. They're not undying, but they aren't quite entirely there. It, it is a curse that's placed upon specific people. You can't recall necessarily specific witches or magicians that have this know the spell, but it's a curse of dysmorphing the body in a way and hindering them and making them look fearful. While this is an adult and you get closer, you can start to see some of the humanoid features that once existed. It is a still mentally a scared teenager. May I ask a clarifying question? Mm -hmm. Does Henbit know why people are cursed like this or like where the curse comes from? The curse is used as a form of punishment by particular nastier witches and wizards and magicians whatever you call it here I haven't decided that yet 
Well, it's all... Yeah, it has to do more with the practice than what the whole... So, witches could be... Could be anything, really. Practitioners of some variety. It's used by darker practitioners as a source of punishment uh, when they feel they have been wrong. It is not uncommon for some of the ones that are more or less humane in their expectations and less forgiving that the punishment could be for even as simple as trying to steal a piece of bread from them to some of them only doing it for extreme cases like murder. So you're not sure who specifically would have caused it, but whoever it was, it's not good magic, usually, and it's not used by... It's used to punish in some form of way. Okay. Irene has never seen this before, is not familiar with this at all, and is horrified. Yeah, I, I wonder if Leon would know anything about this. Can you make a hearts roll if you want? Potentially. I'm just going to go ahead and say Irene doesn't. Oh, I failed that. That's a 21. You do have orders. You can use one point to lower that if you would like. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they, they seem familiar, but you can't quite place it. Perhaps you saw it in a book at one point, but don't remember any detail. The creature is distressed, Henbit, but that doesn't mean we need to help. It doesn't mean that you need to help. I don't even think, like, Henbit says that. I think Henbit just reaches into their, their pack and pulls out two small stones that they rub together and the stones start to glow and then they pull out a bunch of nettles and a red spider lily rubs them between their hands and takes a small tin cup out of their pack fills it with a little bit of water drops the crushed up nettle and red spider lily into it and I'm gonna actually cast on runes as I make a tea that will provide some amount of relief. Okay, using the he he uh, the healing rune that you found or you had. Is it okay if I use plant-based stuff for this in particular? Or we'll say that the rune is more for the magic to hold, but the flowers are what give it it the magic. Yeah, actually, here's here's that here's this spins the stones and drops them in and the stones rubbing against one another produces the heat that causes the water to boil and once it begins to boil and they've the, uh, and she's put the plant matter in there once they're warm enough Hembit just takes a finger and flicks it to the side and it the, the tea leaves rise up to the top and make the rune of the Urus. It looks like it's two parallel lines, one shorter than the other, connected by a slanted line, sort of an upside-down U, but very angular. And that rune forms in the tea leaves that float to the top. And Hendit picks up the cup and offers it to the creature and says, Nettle is a fortifying herb. It will protect you from both life and death. 
the spider lily is the flower of death and also of rebirth. Thank you for listening to GameOven. Please give us a follow on Twitter at GameOven, join the Discord, support the Patreon, and consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. This week's episode featured our first guest DM, Nikki, from Beholder to No One. You can find her at Beholder to No One on Twitter. Benjamin, who you can find at TT Benjamin. Zad, who you can find at Zadkiel and Green. And me, Brianna Jean, who you can find at Brianna Jeans. <laughs> <laughs>